Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. My name is Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist. And I'm joined today by my co-hosts, starting with Mike. Hey, Michael R. Fletcher, author of Beyond Redemption and some other stuff. Dirk? I am Rob Hayes, taking over for Dirk Ashton today because he was busy um, beekeeping. Lazy sod. <laughs> what a specific example. I love that. He probably is beekeeping. I could see that. Uh, and we are joined by a very special guest, Anthony Ryan. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, Anthony Ryan, the author of the Raven Shadow, uh, excuse me, uh, the author of the Draconis Memoria trilogy, the Raven's Blade, and most recently, the Pariah, which is the first in the Covenant of Steel trilogy. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Anthony, thanks so much for, for joining us on the show. Very excited for this. I read, like I was saying before we hit record, I read Blood Song a few years ago and I really enjoyed it. So, really looking forward to digging into your writing approach today. Um, and I thought in today's episode, we could kind of discuss a bit of your journey from the indie publishing world as one of the kind of uh, path forgers in that, I suppose, to traditional publishing. Because uh, as Dirk was saying before the episode, you know, when, actually, I'll let Dirk explain it rather than paraphrase your thoughts, Dirk. Do you want to repeat what you were saying earlier? Uh, um, yes. Um, he, I remember when I well before I actually even considered um, uh, writing, believe it or not, um, I had picked up, uh, saw a recommendation for Blood Song and had picked it up. And it was only later that I learned that, um, that, that Anthony was one of the groundbreakers or one of the earliest um, people who had been an independent uh, author who then went tread afterwards. Um, like, uh, I mean, names we've all heard, you know, Anthony Ryan, of course, Andy Weir, um, Hugh Howie, um, and I've been reminded Jeff Wheeler was indie 
early on. So uh, those were back in kind of the Wild West days where it was it was pretty uh, be kind of standard that if you were going to go indie, you were going to get ignored uh, by by trad. But there were these these few groundbreakers who really kind of set you know set a path that a lot of people that we know now have have uh, have followed. So. I'd love to know kind of what it was like in the uh, the wild west of uh, of, of old uh, of old indie de trad. Yeah, um, I have to say, I mean, I had it far easier than most self publishers. Certainly, most self publishers today, and uh, I think, to be honest, even more easy. It was easier when I when I started out. Uh, getting traction today seems far harder than it was back in. I mean, I. Published Blood Song on Smashwords, which I'm sure you all know is an aggregator for uh, self-published books. Um, I published it in the middle of 2011. Um, and from 2011, this was after I'd spent, uh, you know, the standard year querying agents and mm. getting nowhere, as you know, you have to. It's like a law that says you have to do that. And uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, I got a load of rejection letters. This is when you got letters in the post and everything. It was, it was <laughs> actual paper. Ten and years I got, ago. Yeah, I got enough of them to just wallpaper a part of my bedroom. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Blood Song did the rounds run agents. This was all in the UK. I didn't send it uh, to any US agents. Maybe I should have. But anyway, I sent it to pretty much every agent in the UK. Uh, who dealt in fantasy, and they, they all sent it back. Uh, we did either, either a form rejection, a couple of you know nice, we like this, but we, you know we don't, we're not taking on any more fantasy at the moment, that kind of thing. Uh, so you know, I've been seeing that self-publishing was becoming more viable. I think this was after Hugh Harvey had sort of blazed a bit of a trail with Wool and a few others. I think. Uh, Amanda Hawking had just got a pretty big deal at the time. Uh, she was probably the first big name to get, you know, lured out of uh, self-publishing. And, uh, you know, I thought, why not? We've got this, you know, 200,000 word book sitting here. Might as well do something with it. I mean, I'd written other things before, um, which if I'm, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I knew looking back, they, not, they weren't very good. You know, even the things I finished, uh, they weren't really worthy of being published, but with Blood Song, I felt I had something, you know. I just had this feeling that it could, uh, you know, if it was given a chance, it, could, it might get somewhere. Uh, so I put it up on Smashwords, and I didn't click. At the time on Smashwords, you couldn't publish to Amazon uh, via Smashwords. Um, uh, so it didn't go up on the Amazon store. I just went to all the other stores, you know, Smashwords publishers do. And from, I think, yeah, July to December of 2011, it sold five copies, uh, which, you know, actually is five more than I expected to sell. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprisingly delighted with selling five copies. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I started looking more seriously at it because um, I wasn't really doing much in my publicity. I wasn't really pushing it at all. And I'd made some serious mistakes. Uh, I hadn't, you know, gone and got a professional to do my cover and I hadn't had it. I hadn't had it 
professionally proofread. Um, so, frankly, the manuscript was riddled with mistakes. <laughs> and I did the cover myself, which the best and the nicest thing anyone ever said about my own cover was, I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a backhanded insult there. Backhanded yeah, but, you're, but you're actually a hell of an artist. Uh, yeah, I can draw, I can't paint. Uh, that's the thing. If I could paint, I might do my own covers. Uh, I can't paint worth a damn. And to do a fantasy cover, you really need to be able to paint. Yeah. Um, so I did a sort of 3D mock-up cover. I mean, to be honest, I don't think it's terrible, but it's you know, it's not it's not of publishable quality. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, along came 2012, and I thought, having looked more seriously into it. Well, what was involved in doing things right, uh, I thought I'd give it a go on the Kindle store. Mm -hmm. um, in the first month on the Kindle store, with my, you know, my own cover and it not being proofread, it still managed to sell 20 copies, which was, you know, four times more than I'd sold in six months. <laughs> the month after, and I got my first one uh, five-star reviews. Uh, I think I got five five-star reviews in the first month or something, which seemed incredible at the time. Uh, no one stars and no four stars and all that. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, February, I think it sold 150 copies and in March it sold 400. And by the time oh, May wow. rolled around, it would, I think in the month of May alone, it sold 15,000 copies. Wow. So I was saying they just built and built and then it exploded kind of thing. Um, and I don't, yeah, to this day, I wish I knew why. <laughs> Which, yeah. I was going to ask that question. <laughs> so thanks yeah. for installing that. <laughs> Capture it in a bottle and, and say why it worked, despite all the problems with it. You know, I got a lot of complaints about the proofreading. I did my best to fix it and put up a, you know, an improved manuscript with the, the spelling errors taken out and all of that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I did start a blog, uh, you know, I had a, a website and, you know, I was getting a lot of interaction on it, a lot of clicks on it. Um, you know, but in terms of publicity, I mean, this was all, all before paid ads were a thing. And this was, yeah. You know, before, I wasn't even on Twitter at the time. And to be honest, I don't think Twitter is actually a very good uh, sales platform anyway. It's, it's good for interaction, but it's not, it's not an advertising platform. Uh, but yeah, it, it was word of mouth or word of forum or whatever. You know, it was people telling their friends, you should read this, it's good. Uh, and that's really where it took off. And it was in towards the end of May, I think, that uh, I got an email out of the blue from uh, Penguin or Ace uh, Rock saying, asking if I'd like to have a conversation. Uh, yeah, no, you know, the rest is history, I guess. What so was that, that point? Oh, sorry, what, what was, what, sorry, what was that what was that moment like when you saw that email? What went through your head? Well, I dropped my phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, you know, got this email pinged on my phone, picked it up and uh, dropped my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break it, poor child. Uh, yeah, a lot of people I've asked are like, well, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was one of the scam or something. Fuck them, fuck them with me. Yeah. So you I, know, I did, you know, I thought, I thought just there's a sort of inkling that maybe this is a joke, but I looked at, I did a Google search. It was uh, from uh, Susan Allison, who since retired, but she was a uh, senior editor at Ace. 
And you know, a simple Google search will will tell you if it's a real person or not. Uh, and the email seemed legit, and so on. Yeah. So I emailed her back, and we, you know, over the course of about a month, we went back and forth, and eventually ended up with a publishing contract. Nice. And Did you have an agent at that time? I didn't. Um, uh-huh. I do think I probably should have gone and got one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like I got screwed on the contract or anything. I don't really have any complaints. It's uh, It was a standard contract, but there were a few things in it that would have been different uh, if I'd gone and got an agent, and maybe I'd have got a bit of advance. I probably would. Uh, but, you know, when it was traditionally published, the advances I got, they all earned out on day one because of the pre-orders, you know. Uh, so I wasn't really that fussed about not getting some six-figure sum or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, money-wise, I really can't complain. Uh, but yeah, I, I would advise people if you are getting a, if you do get an offer uh, from traditional publishing, get an agent. Yeah. Um, I know some people say you don't need them, you know, they're practicing law without a license and all of this. I don't actually yeah. subscribe to that. If you, one of the larger agencies, I'm with Jean-Claude Nesbitt, one of the larger agencies in New York, mm-hmm. uh, and they have their own legal department with qualified oh, yeah. lawyers, so it's not like it's some guy in an office, you know, it's, uh, you know. The garage, <laughs> Googling legal documents and trying to make sure you don't get screwed over. It's very, it's very, it's very similar to Jonathan French's story, uh, except uh, who did the Gray Bastards. He was in the SPFBO when I was when I was in and won and won that year, um, and it was the same thing. He got he got an email, and I remember him throwing up a post in the little group we were in. Uh, guys, I just got this email from this person. Is this person real? And then it's like, oh my god. This is the same. This, it was, it was the same editor who had uh, who had worked with Andy Weir. Um, so, but he and the the editor actually said, um, "I'm going to get. I'm. Is it okay with you if I put this out to a bunch of agents uh, that I know, um, and and see if they're interested, and tell them if they are to contact you, and you can pick one that you like because you should have an agent." So I thought that was interesting that they went that route, that they actually wanted him to have an agent hmm. um, before they even made an offer. So, but that was that was only a couple of years ago. You were way, way ahead of that. Uh, is- yeah, I mean, I have to say, uh, at the time, the self-publishing is a different landscape than it is today. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was easier. If you put something on the Kindle store and it was any good, uh, someone somewhere would read it and it would go from there. It wasn't a guarantee of success because in publishing there are no guarantees of success. Mm-hmm. But back then you had much better odds of getting noticed if you had something good. Mm-hmm. As, as of it is today, there's an awful lot of crap on there. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. That's true of publishing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a better chance of getting noticed if you had something good. Uh, I think today there's so much, the Kindle store is so huge and the struggle to get eyeballs on things is so difficult that it's, yeah, yeah I'm glad I'm not starting today, to be honest. I don't know any people who are starting today. One, one thing that, that, another thing that I think that makes you stand out a lot um, 
uh, as a as a as a very successful trad author is that you are one of the most supportive trad authors um, on the entire internet of indie self-published authors. Um, I just see it all over your Twitter feed, um, sometimes on the Instagram and uh, just, um, I really appreciate that personally. Thank you, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you, you've, done, uh, you've done blurbs uh, for several uh, self-published novels like mine. I'm pretty sure I've seen your name on Dirk's books. Oh yeah. Uh, which is kind of amazing. There are not a lot of, uh, you know, writers at, at, at your level that are, you know, sort of approachable on that level. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, well, I do remember what it was like. Um, and I wasn't, I was never really one for forums or things or being in groups. Or, I, to be honest, I, I don't like Facebook to this day. I'm on it because I use the, the ads platform, but as a site, I don't like it. <laughs> you know? yeah. But um, I've never been really one for doing all of that. But I do remember just how hard it was to get noticed. And, you know, I'd, if you know, if I read something and I like it, I'll tell people about it. And I don't care if it's self-published. Uh, I don't think readers care if it's self-published. Um, if it, you know, I think it's incumbent upon self-publishers to make their book as indistinguishable from a traditionally published book as possible. Yep. Uh, but uh, if, if you did that, then readers don't care. I mean, how many readers look at who published this book? They look at the author name, mm -hmm. they look at the blurb, and they look at the cover. That's yep. what they care about. And if it's good, you know, it should sell. And that's not <laughs> always the case, obviously, but it should. And if I read something good, and you know, I will do my best to tell people about it. Well, I, I'm just going to take a little moment to kind of fanboy squeak. It's just, it's really, really an honor to have you on this show. It's unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when Mike said, oh, yeah, Anthony said he's going to do it. I was like, what? <laughs> it's, Mike's uh, quite good at blackmailing you. people. So I assume he has yeah, I don't know. family I don't, hostage. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he has over you guys or, uh, or bribes you with, but maybe I don't want to know, but. I certainly appreciate it. It's, uh, you don't you don't do a lot of interviews, do you? Uh, to be honest, I do them usually when I'm asked. Uh, do you? Oh, you I actually, okay. get asked that often, believe it or not. Oh, uh, you might after this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after so this. I do show. a lot more. Tend to tend to do a lot more print interviews. You know, they send you a list yeah. of questions. Uh, I kind of like those because you you just get more chance to think about things. Mm. could come across being really erudite <laughs> use the thesaurus yeah. to look up all the fancy words find some yeah, just, interesting quotes from old philosophers questions though over and over and over again just eventually broke me that i mean that kind of stuff yeah. print interviews because it you know it's every time it's like oh where do you get your ideas from like, no that's like, that's easy mike you just you, i just have a bank of answers and i copy and paste oh yeah that's that's smart <laughs> I stole a line from I stole a line from Neil Gaiman. There's a line in Sandman about you know the I don't know if you've read Sandman, but yeah, the, yeah, the one where the guy gets cursed with ideas, the horrible writer who imprisons the muse in his attic. He, <laughs> he gets cursed with ideas. There's yes. a line in that thing is uh, about keeping ideas in a jam jar and a cupboard under the stairs. Uh, <laughs> 
And that, that's what I say whenever anyone asks where ideas come from. I keep them in Cover so them. we need to break into your house, find the stairs and <laughs> steal all your future books. I wanted to ask you quickly before we end out this episode. So you had Bloodsong initially was independently published and got picked up by a publisher. But since then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong with this, you have continued to publish some independent self-published things. Is that correct? Yeah, my novellas. Uh, novellas the Seven Swords the... series. Uh, Seven Swords are actually traditionally published. Oh, they're traditionally um, published. Oh, okay. Got the wrong ones. Yeah, they're published by Subterranean Press. Got it. Uh, but the Raven Shadow novellas, some of them appeared in anthologies and magazines first. Uh, but then I'll put out my own version once the you know the term limit is up. Uh, and a few short stories and you know, my Slap City Blues, sci-fi, noir novels, uh, novellas, I should say. They were all self-published. Uh, I did actually float them past my agent at one point, but uh, I don't think anyone was particularly interested, but there you go. I'm happy to, you know, I, don't, I really don't have any hesitation about it. If I think it'll work as a self-published project, that's what I'll do. And I've got, you know, freelancers who I collaborate with, and illustrators, and, you know. Yeah, so you've done so, stuff with uh, Sean King, right? Uh, yeah, he's, I think he's done a most yeah. of my covers now yeah kevin yeah, he's, he's awesome he's great yeah we love we artist. love we love sean yeah. we love sean. Uh, i'll take credit for sure well, actually he told me i don't know if, i don't know if i'm taking too much credit here but he did tell take me because i told him at one point you're not charging enough uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not complaining, but I do think you're not the you're not the way. you're not the first one. And it, it was very exciting when he was able to actually finally go full time just last yeah. year, I think. Um, but yeah, he wasn't. And now, see, it, I'm it, on the other side telling him that he's charging too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, Lower your rates, yeah, especially yeah. Felix. I'm like Felix, no, 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 you're not that good. Just gotta, yeah, my, it's Lower it's your funny. rates. You're, you're, Mike you're and okay I have both. Mike and I have both use these guys early on different artists and 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 sean and and we've had to like move on as they like grew up like john anthony G D giovanni did one for him and yeah and then he did for me and now he's doing some press books for yeah. bill he's doing like and joe abercrombie books as well yeah well that they're sub subterranean press mm -hmm. they're the special edition subterranean oh, yeah. press books and and now we can't afford him and now we're like <laughs> damn so we go we go to the next person though i did get john to do an interior illustration for the limited edition for my book three nice which is cool yeah yeah he's, he's phenomenal i love i love seeing i love seeing artists succeed like that and and get what they're they as far as i'm concerned they should they should be able to charge whatever they can get and if i can't afford it that's great yes go, go do your thing and we'll find somebody um and now, now we're like praying that Felix doesn't get too famous. <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. Well, it does make only me, a matter of time. It does he's make me concerned there. about publicizing my cover artist for stuff because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I put out a tweet or whatever, and I'm saying like, "Oh, thanks for this artist for doing it or whatever." And then all people are like, "Oh, what's the name of that artist?" And I know the authors as well. So John had never, John had never done any book book covers until he did until until he did the one for um which i have a picture of on my wall a ghost of tomorrow for mike right? mm. and yeah that was and i was like mike who is that i bought that piece of art because i loved it and he's like tell me who that is he said no <laughs> 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 and then he did 
and then he did. So and now I the secret's out. We were, the first, we, we were the first two to use him for, for book covers. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, was, and, Sean did the, and, and Sean did the typography for both of those, too. Yeah. 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 I think with artists, if they are, you know, spectacularly good, uh, they, they will get snapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the list of people who can do what they do is actually pretty short. So, they, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they tend to get snapped up quite quickly. Hundred percent. I've always, I've always thought I had a pretty good eye for for picking artists, but now I'm proving myself correct, and it sucks. <laughs> Your eye is too good. <laughs> I need to find, I need to find somebody who's not not so good. <laughs> um, I think this is a good spot to wrap this episode up. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to talk a little bit thank about you, your sir. new book before we close this one out? Yeah. Uh, yes, new book is called The Pariah. Did I bring it? No, I stupidly left it downstairs. Mike's got one. Mike's got one right there. Yeah, just over my shoulder there. Right there uh, over his shoulder. Thank and you, I Mike. left mine. I, I left mine at another house. <laughs> Pariah is out on the twenty fourth of August in the states and uh, and Canada, and in the twenty sixth in UK. And it's a lot of uh, very violent, grim, medieval fantasy fun. Yeah. It's it getting tremendous reviews. Good, but let's maybe we'll talk about it more in the uh, yeah, if we're doing another episode. Let's uh, let's talk about it a bit more. Yeah, happy to have one. Because uh, yeah, I'd love I'd love to get into into that because something clicked there. Uh, it, phenomenal! Like for me, that is hands down my favorite Anthony Ryan book. Oh uh, wow! Which is which is saying something. That's kind of yeah. crazy. Heck yeah! Awesome. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into that later. Hopefully, um, just a couple of quick listener comments before we close this one out. In our last episode, Dirk at the end put out a call for you to send in books that you thought were particularly re-readable, um, whether by us, by other people or whatever. Um, so I had a, a few people email him and message him with that, which was awesome. Um, so first comment comes from Sean Connolly, who asks, who says, uh, hi, Jed, Mike, Dirk and Rob. My name is Sean Connolly. I'm a huge fan of both of your books and Wizards Warriors Words. I've been watching it since it launched, which is a long time ago now. So that's awesome. Um, he says that as far as books from the stars of the show, I've reread. I've read Paternus and Wrath of Gods twice. Uh, my reason for reading them again was to refresh before War of Gods, but I wouldn't have been willing to reread if I didn't love the story. I'm a huge mythology buff as well. So rereading, I caught more references and it was much more rewarding the second time around. Uh, he also says that he's read Blackstone Heart twice as well. So there you go, Fletch. Um, and yeah, he said he also plans to reread The War Eternal uh, before the release of Sins of the Mother and The Thunder Heist before its sequel as well. So Thanks, Sam. Much appreciated. Um, those are those are books by Rob Hayes and Jed Hearn. For correct. Those of you who might know. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the fact that it says Paternus by Dirk Ashton. It's not actually by. <laughs> um, yeah, Bender emailed in to I wrote, say I wrote all of them. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, Bender wrote in to say that uh, his favorite rereads are Cradle by Will White, and he says he really appreciates the following the progression of of main characters in progression fantasy stories because. It's very addicted to watch how they get more and more powerful throughout it. Um, he also mentions The Ten Realms by Michael Chatfield, which I haven't read. He says that's a lit RPG equivalent to Cradle. Um, Chronicles of the Fib by David H. Reese, uh, which sounds kind of interesting. It's about a, a supervillain who's trying to be, be bring accountability to a particular superhero, uh, which sounds like a cool premise. Um, and then there's books written by the team, Paternus again, and Never Die by Rob J. Hayes. And he says he really wants to be 
a named hero and go along with Whispering Blade on their various adventures. Um, great. So we did have a few more other people email in as well, but I'll keep it to those for now. So yeah, for the rest of you, if you do have any other suggestions for rereadable books, feel free to message in and we'll try to read them out on the show. Um, and as for now, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. If you are a Patreon supporter, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Wizards Warriors Words if you want to check that out and help support the show. Um, once again, thanks for listening. Anthony, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, everybody.